welcome everybody to the October 13th, 2020 ACB uh, Board of Directors meeting. Uh, first, I want to thank ACB Radio for uh, streaming tonight's board meeting on mainstream uh, network. So thank you, Debbie and team for that. And I also want to thank uh, those affiliates and hosts uh, who we kind of preempted tonight by having the board meeting. So apologies to Tuesday Topics and to the BPI uh, presentation. And uh, thank you for your patience and your your willingness to work with all of us. So thank you so much. And let's go ahead and kind of go through. Uh, so one is call to order and then two is, um, is roll call and introduction of guests with Denise Colley, our ACB secretary. So Denise. Okay. Dan Spoon. Uh, present. Mark Reichert. Hello. Ray Campbell. Here. I'm here. <clears throat> David Trott. Here. Kim Charlson. Here. Jeff Bishop. Here. Donna Brown. Here. Sarah Conrad. Here. Dan Dillon. Here. Katie Frederick. I'm here. James Crott. Here. Doug Powell. Here. Pat Sheehan. Here. Michael Talley. Here. Jeff Tom. Here. And representing the BOP, Penny Reader. Here. Staff, Eric Bridges. Here. Clark Rackfall. Here. Tony Stevens. Here. Nancy Becker. Here. Cindy Hollis. Here. Claire Stanley. She was here. Here yeah, she was. Sorry, I was muted. I'm here. She is. <laughs> Kelly Gask. Here. Our new staff person, Erica Keller. Here. Uh, Sharon Lovering. Here. Um, contractors, Debbie Hazelton. I'm here. <laughs> I'm assuming Jason still isn't. Uh, and um, Anthony Corona. Okay. Guests, I know we have Janet Dippelman. Yes, any, other, any other guests? Yeah, Rick Morin's here. Rick Morin, okay. Mr. President, that completes the call of the roll with the inclusion of all of our guests on ACB Radio. Thank you, Madam Secretary. So number three on the agenda is review and approval of the agenda. So we'll kind of go through that again. So one is call to order with President Dan Spoon. Two is roll call and introduction of guests with Denise Colley, Secretary. Uh, three is review and approval of the agenda with Dan. Four is review and approval of the July 3rd ACB Board of Director uh, pre-convention meeting minutes with Denise Colley, Secretary. Five is our mission moment, always a fun part of the agenda with Dan and Eric. And tonight we're honoring Sharon Lovering, uh, who dedicates uh, uh, her dedication to the members and friends of ACB each day. So excited to talk a little about Sharon. Six is the presentation of our 2019 annual report kind of a new format and approach this year, and that's going to be Tony Stevens and Kelly Gask. Seven is a review of our ACB 2020 Convention Lessons Learned document, 
This year, it was prepared with facilitation by consultant Kate Vendemio, and that's going to be presented by Janet Dickelman and Nancy Becker. Eight is review of our 2020 ACB Convention Satisfaction Survey document, and that was uh, created by Tony Stevens and Rick Morn, and they're going to give us an update on that. Nine is discussion and decision on our 2021 ACB conference and convention. Under that, we have four items. A is review of our hotel contract uh, and discussion there with Janet Dickelman and Nancy Becker. Two is the recommendation uh, coming from our convention steering committee from their August 31st meeting. And that's going to be presented by Janet Dickelman, Nancy Becker, and our officer liaison, David Trott. C is uh, really a kind of discussion from the entire board uh, uh, on making the decision uh, d discussing uh, different options for the 2021 ACB conference and convention. And that is really an opportunity for each board member to speak. And then D, hopefully at that point in time, we will be ready to make a decision on the format for the 2021 ACB conference and convention. 10 is open discussion. Uh, if people have other items they would like to bring before the board. 11 is executive session. We have several topics to talk about in executive session. And then 12 is adjourn. So that's the agenda for tonight's board meeting. Uh, Ray had asked one more topic be brought to the board. Uh, Ray and I had a discussion before the meeting. And uh, there's, uh, you know, I think this is, uh, this is really related to uh, community events and affiliates, and I think it's a little premature for the board to have a, a discussion and make a decision on this policy at this point in time, but we are going to have some additional feedback uh, later on, and I, uh, I would uh, recommend that we stick with the agenda that we have now, and I've had that discussion with Ray prior to the meeting. So, uh, if there's any other recommendations, uh, Otherwise, I'd like a motion to approve the uh, agenda as presented. So moved. Doug Second. Powell has moved. Second, Pat Sheehan. Just, uh, Any just, discussion? Yeah, Dan, Brand? just a matter uh, for the board's edification. Um, <clears throat> the issue that I had asked to be added falls under some broader topics that will be talked about in executive session. So uh, I was okay with that for now to uh, handle it that way. Okay. Thank you, Ray. Any other discussion? Hearing none, all those in favor signify by saying aye. 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 Opposed? All right. Well, we will now move on to item number four, which is review and approval of the July 3rd, 2020 ACB Board of Directors meeting minutes. Denise. David, July 3rd minutes were sent out. Um, once again, I apologize. They were so late and so lengthy. Um, there were, again, I received a few um, clerical um, updates that I will fix. And thank you to Nancy for putting headings in and doing the stuff that she did. And so I would entertain a motion to accept the minutes. So moved. Accept the minutes with the recommended edits that came from our board members. Okay. So moved. Good. Jeff Second. has moved. Seconded by Doug. Any discussion? All those in favor signify by saying aye. 
Aye. Aye. Aye. Aye. Opposed? Thank you, Denise. And if we can keep these meetings down to only three hours, you won't have so long to deal with creating the meeting minutes. <laughs> we'll do our best tonight for you. Thank you. Wasn't sure if they, wasn't sure if they were minutes or a transcription. <laughs> yeah. Denise, um, Denise um, Jason has joined the meeting. Oh, Thank you. okay. Welcome, Jason. Thank you. Yep. All right. Uh, item number five is our mission moment. Uh, and it's, uh, I'll say a few words and then turn it over to Eric. But I just, uh, you know, we have folks that are out there in the spotlight every day doing wonderful things for ACB. But in Sharon Lovering, we have a person who really quietly behind the scenes I think in many cases is the glue that holds this organization together on a day in and day out basis. And I am flabbergasted every time I see the statistics and realize that we get, you know, between 1,500 and 2,000 calls at our ACB offices each month. And the primary person that receives those phone calls and talks to our members and friends and provides resources and uh, guidance and sometimes just a listening ear is Sharon Lovering. So she not only does an amazing job as our editor, as our proofreader, as the person we go to when we want to make sure we don't sound foolish when we send a, an official <laughs> letter. But besides that, Sharon just does it in such a quiet, unassuming way. And she she is just so critical to the success of this organization. So I'd like to then turn it over to Eric for some more thoughts. Yeah, no, I, I completely agree. Uh, this year has been an interesting one in that we were physically gone from the office for over three months, but, um, you know, the phones didn't stop uh, because we were working remotely. And so Sharon was fielding calls from her apartment or her parents' place, wherever she elected to work that particular day. Um, working closely uh, with Clark and Claire to update regularly the Washington Connection, um, as well as uh, over the last uh, few months, uh, creating boxes for the community events to be read. And so there's a tremendous amount of, of, of both writing and reading that, that Sharon does uh, in a given week. And these boxes, these voicemail boxes that contain all of the information that you and I would read in an email, literally get two, 300 hits a week from folks. So what, you know, what work is she doing? Well, she's, she's actually helping to provide all this really good information to folks who either are not uh, technologically inclined, maybe newly blind, uh, may not have access. Um, and it's a, it's a critically important audience. Uh, we talk during these board meetings at times about um, Xenomedia um, and, you know, accessing ACB radio through the telephone. Well, it's really no different with regard to the community calls as well as the Washington connection. Folks have a thirst to, to, to know what is happening and they want to engage. They need to engage. 
And uh, Sharon takes a lot of time. Uh, there are evenings that she spends doing this, don't you, Sharon? Um, uh, calling in and, and doing this stuff. So it's, you know, it, these are things that are not super visible uh, to many of us because we're, we're accessing, you know, email and internet and things of that nature. But guys, we have a, we have a slew of folks out there that don't either have, uh, you know, the, the technological capability or just flat out don't have access. And she's, she's filling a vital role. So Sharon, thank you very much. Thank um, you, Sharon. Yes. Um, I just Enjoy like it, to say, yeah, I just like to say, uh, um, <laughs> what is the one thing that's constant in a lot of the meetings when we talk about publications and the board and board publications, we got to make sure we remember those folks who don't have access to email and thank you to Sharon's work. Uh, she's doing that. The other thing I would like to say is that uh, calling into the uh, national office, I have rarely heard someone answer the phone more professionally than Sharon Lovering. And uh, mm -hmm. that is just a really uh, great thing. And she's very efficient. She answers, she's pleasant and, you know, takes care of getting, uh, at least getting my calls to where they need to go. And so, Certainly appreciate that, and it really creates a good first impression for somebody new who, who who may be calling ACB for the first time to hear that pleasant voice on the other end of the phone, and uh, you know help them with what they need. So uh, thank you for sharing for all you do. Sharon, do you have anything you'd like to you'd like to say? You don't have to, but. I'm really enjoying recording the information boxes about the calls. <laughs> um, this week, and I think last week too, there was a call that was titled, Thank You for Being a Friend. Aww. So if you call in, yes, that's me singing a little bit of the Golden Girls theme song. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you for being a friend. Exactly. <laughs> and, Not as good as you, though. And... A couple of weeks ago, when there were the uh, ballpark foods ones that were titled Take Me Out to the Ball Game. Wow. Yeah, that was me too, having a blast. <laughs> Tonight, I'm at my place, surrounded by uh, two wonderful cats, one of whom is trying to turn my kitchen into her own swimming pool. <laughs> and the other one who is just determined to be camera shy and hide. <laughs> uh, yeah. Cool. Well, thank you, Sharon. So, hey, everybody, I want to hear a big, oh, did I hear somebody want to make a comment? This yeah, I, I would. Uh, Dan, Dan Dillon. Dan Dillon. Please, Dan. Um, I, I have called Sharon on several occasions, and she, she always greets me with, a, before she knows it's me, she's, she's always answered the phone in a very uh, warm, friendly voice. And I've got to say that not very often, but from time to time, I've called that other organization, and they are not as warm and friendly. So <laughs> thank, thank you, Dan. Sharon. That one over there is as nice as Sharon. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, really. <laughs> All right. Yes. Go Dan. ahead. Uh, go ahead. Dan. It's Mark. It's Mark. Go ahead, Mark. So uh, as somebody who was on the ACB staff for, I think, less than 15 months, I, I think maybe that's my only qualification for making these comments. So I can remember in 1990, or not that long thereafter, I think, Sharon, that was the first time I met you. And then um, I had the pleasure of being your colleague. And um, 
you were just as dedicated back then and your support for oral and all the rest of us was amazing. Um, oh gosh. Uh, so I, I guess I would just say, you know, there are some people who punch a time clock and there are some people who are loyal employees and we are grateful for loyal employees. And then there are some people who go the extra mile and that's awesome. And then there are some people that make it into the circle of family and friends. And, uh, Thank you for being part of that circle. Sharon, thank, for be- thank you for being Mark's friend. <laughs> <laughs> I need all the friends I can get. <laughs> <laughs> thank you, Mark. And all right, everybody, we got it. We got to do it. All right, everybody ready? One, two, oh, three. Here it comes. Hip, 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 hooray. Hooray. hip, 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 Thank you. Thank you for all you do for ACP. How do the captioners caption that? All right. Well, thank you, Sharon. And uh, all right. Well, now I'm going to move on to item six on the agenda, which is the presentation of the 2019 annual report. And very exciting. Uh, you know, Tony and Kelly really took a kind of a different approach this year. And I, I, w- I just want to say personally, I really like it. I read it. I think it was concise. It was easy to understand. It was informative. So big thumbs up from my point of view. But I'll turn it over to Tony and Kelly now to tell us a little bit about our 2019 annual report. Sure. Thanks so much, Mr. President, and everyone on the board and everyone listening in. Um, Appreciate the kind words. I will be brief in in what I have to say about the annual report because the the huge labor of love for this particular project was was worn on Kelly's shoulders. Um, So the first thing I have to say is thank you to Kelly for spending an enormous amount of time uh, not just trying to come up with a vision. Collectively, we sort of worked together and went through annual reports and you know, it, is, it has been trending with many nonprofits to find new and creative ways to really capture the work that you do and share it with your partners and your stakeholders and everybody in the annual report. Uh, the whole field, in a sense, has moved away from these, you know, what, what essentially were like uh, quarterly reports that were almost like financial documents you would get from your 401k or something like that. Uh, to much more uh, concise, you know, keep it simple. Um, I always, you know, use the expression, be brief, be brilliant, be gone. You know, people have a lot to contend with these days with information from every direction and short snippets. And the more brief but more compelling we can be, you know, it's, it's, it's an opportunity for us to gather their attention, to make an impression, and to hope that, that impression lasts, knowing that they're going to be getting hundreds and thousands and millions of impressions in the days and weeks. So to that end, you know, thank you, Kelly, for working with me uh, and, and sort of trying to bring to life uh, what, what sometimes can be, you know, difficult in someone's vision and mind. And collectively, I'm, I've been very, very impressed. I mean, I've been working in nonprofits for over 30 years now and have had my share of annual reports and things like that. And so this is an exciting report. And, uh, you know, it will capture, I think, in a sense, uh, the, the breadth of the, of the organization. And a reminder for folks, the annual report is last year's record. It's a record of our work that we did in the prior year. So we work hard to uh, kind of set up, I think, what essentially were at the success of, of you all as a board of directors and your leadership, a year that uh, was a building year. Um, and it was a year that was needed to build a solid foundation that has really helped us weather. There is a hint of that. I think it's always it's written on the wall what we have endured this year, as everyone has endured. 
in terms of nonprofits. Um, but I think what we really tried to do was capture the success of just what preparation and planning and effective policy can do towards really making a solid nonprofit. There's no doubt that the decisions you all made in prior year really helped us weather through some very, very significant what could have been life-changing uh, storms earlier in this year. And it's still going to continue for the foreseeable future. So, um, you know, that's all I got to say other than Kelly. But one other well, one other side note there real quick. Um, and Kelly, maybe you can share more information on this. But just so folks know, the amount of effort that also went into making sure this is an accessible PDF a document uh, was was. I got to stand there with Kelly and 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 gruel through some tedious accessibility checks and ended up being like an Apple glitch uh, with some software. And you're always trying to make sure that things are most accessible as 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 we try to strive and achieve for. And so I just want to say a special thanks to Kelly as well for really even me being one of the people who would need it in an accessible format was ready to throw my hands up in the air. Um, and, but she stuck with it and really worked hard to make sure that this is an accessible document as well. Uh, Cause for those that can see, it is a very compelling document and I'll, I'll throw it over to you, Kelly, if you want to try to describe it in some of the maybe design elements and, and the theme that, that overall drives the, the, the product that we're able to, you know, hopefully, have physical printouts as well because that's the most compelling way is in, when it's literally in your hands, it's a powerful document to hold in your hands as well. So yeah, I, and Tony, it has been so great to work with you on the annual report. Um, I've been wanting to kind of switch up the format for a little while because, you know, um, we have the opportunity to really use design to convey um, our information in a really cool visual way and also be really succinct and direct with our messaging. Um, so Tony and I kind of worked on the general layout and the content and um, we made, it's essentially kind of like a, a fold brochure. Um, it's partially like a roll fold brochure. So the front cover um, opens up um, and you can see uh, two pages that um, have the capital on each side. It's one photo split, uh, split up into two pages. And we've got our mission statement on one side. And on the other side, we have our core values. Um, once you unfold that, you see the letter from the president and executive director. Um, then we've got our financial summary, um, our uh, affiliates, and then the little flap uh, afterwards has... Um, some successes that we had throughout the year in 2019. Um, and then on the back, we've got, you know, our officers, directors, board of publications and ACB staff along with our website. And I just got to say, um, you know, I got some training this year. ACB got me some training because um, right off the bat, when you make a, a document in InDesign, it's, it's not accessible. You can export it to a PDF and it will jump over from page to page. It'll miss certain parts of the document. And um, it's really something that's kind of, you know, difficult to learn. I went to design school, but um, they never taught us anything about accessibility when I was in design school. I hope that's changed a lot by now. But um, I took a, a course with a professional who uh, was recommended to me by Adobe and uh, her name is Bevy. She is awesome. Um, it was a, a, a multi-class uh, course and I got some really in-depth experience with um, InDesign uh, and also PDF remediation. So, um, you know, once I exported the document, I didn't really have to do too much to it to get it accessible. 
we had a couple of accessibility challenges, but little did we know it was actually the program that we were using on a Mac was not fully accessible with VoiceOver. Um, so that's actually something that we're kind of working on right now. But um, the document is it was so much easier to make this year. I'm really happy I got the training. I feel a lot more comfortable making documents like this and you know, being able to look at the back end and see that it's fully accessible. So I really hope that you guys enjoy it. And I'm super excited for the hard copies. I think this is really great. And moving forward, I think we're definitely going to be thinking more about the design and kind of how we convey information about our organization. So people can really get a an understanding for who we are, um, you know, just by taking a brief look and they don't have to really dive into a novel. So I think it's going to be great. Thank you, Tony and, and Kelly. Any questions or thoughts for Tony and Kelly from the board? All right. Well, Kelly and Tony, it was fabulous. I, I, I don't know. And it was so easy to read. I had no trouble reading it. So th again, thank you, Kelly. And I know it's powerful. Like when you when you have a page and you're listing, able to list on one page, like all of your affiliates and see the the state affiliates and the special interest affiliates and all those lists. That's kind of a powerful message out to those that we're trying to educate. Of you know, we're not just a national organization. We're a, a an organization made up of of affiliates. And I and you know, our, our value statement, our mission state, our statement, our core values, it just, I don't know, it flowed really well. So, so thank you. It captured our financials. I just thought it was done in a very succinct way and very easy to consume. So really appreciate it. And the physical copy is, it's just flat out cool. To, I bet it would really be cool to be able so, to open it up yeah, and see how um, it kind of flows. Yeah. Yeah. yeah so I, you know, uh, we started talking about this, what, in early August, guys, and uh, had it had it pretty well done within about a month, which given all the other things that are on Tony and Kelly's plates, uh, was pretty quick. Um, and then we ran into some stuff where we were trying to troubleshoot. And as Kelly said, we uh, come to find out these weren't our issues. <laughs> so, um, but, you know, I think... I think this this speaks a lot to um, also us investing in our employees uh, in, in training and education. And, uh, you know, it, it's something that we that we need to continue to do in targeted areas to ensure that we're uh, up to speed, uh, whether it's accessibility or or other stuff um, so that we have subject matter expertise in-house that can that can help out. So good work, you guys. Thank Dan? You. Yes, Nancy. If, if somebody wants to look at it, it is on our website right now under the About Us tab. Okay. And under Organizational Documents, it says 2019 Annual Report. So Great. So it's out there on acb.org for any of our members who would like to, to look at it. Yes. Great. Mr. And we have for the physical copies as well for any of our key uh, donors or funders. I mean, we'll be sending them to our corporate partners, obviously, uh, where I think it's a very compelling document to hold in the hand and and uh, but if, but if any members of the board, if there's any, you know, we have some extra copies that we'd be happy to circulate for, you know, any any particular relationships that you want to be able to share um, what's going on. Great. And Donna, you had a question. No, yeah. I didn't have a question. A I just wanted to okay. say it, it reads beautifully on a note taker, too. And that's that's awesome. So anyway, I just thought I'd throw that in there. That's good to know. <laughs> you guys no, did, a you, yeah, you did a great job. Yeah, did a great job. Yep. Thank you, Donna. 
All right. Uh, item number seven is review of our 2020 ACB convention lessons learned document. Uh, and we kind of took a little bit of a different approach this year where we got our, our convention committee, our key staff and, and convention steering committee folks together. But uh, when we did the, the lessons learned, we actually used the facilitation of Kate Vendimio, who's also helping us with our communications plan. You all met her last year in February when we did, uh, she did a presentation for us on smart objectives. And so I'd like uh, for Janet and Nancy to kind of uh, share the core takeaways from that document with us. So Janet and Nancy. All right. I'm going to let Nancy is going to take the lead on this one. She's got our notes and I'll take more of a lead on the steering committee, but I'm here if you have any questions also. Thank you, Janet. So, so go for it, Nancy. Thank okay. you. Our convention action review was conducted by Mount Vernon Consulting. After ACB's convention, the convention planning team participated in a deep brief, which was facilitated by Mount Vernon Consulting. The major accomplishments from the 2020 conference and convention were, number one, a significant increase in attendance with many individuals participating for the first time. Both new and longtime members were actively engaged in all aspects of the convention. Number two was the expanded use of technology and accessibility, accessibility options enabled ACB to stream the entire convention on ACB radio. We combined both video and live presentations, which allowed for a smooth flow of the general sessions. Number three, there was a variety in the number and content of sessions held, and the new format of general sessions was balanced and well-received by participants. Number four, once we knew the convention would be held virtually, the staff and volunteers worked tirelessly together in a short amount of time to ensure a smooth conference for participants. And then number five, attendees saw the value of what ACB's convention offered and donated throughout the week. So then we broke out into groups where we strategized what we would like to continue doing for future convention conventions, what we would like to change, and discontinue what didn't add value for attendees. These breakout groups were content and programming, technology, marketing and communications, logistics, and exhibitors, sponsors, and donors. Now the steering committee is meeting weekly to determine how we can make the convention even more engaging in 2021 than it was in 2020. Janet? Okay. Um, and we will get, I know you wanted some reports from the steering committee, and I think you had that after the convention survey, correct? But that basically covers, um, Nancy did a great job covering what um, we strategized and we went through a whole, we have for the steering committee now, we have a whole list. We broke it into different segments, administrative, technology, um, programming. So as Nancy said, we're going through each of these segments and we are coming up with a lot of different ways, a lot of things we will keep. We have some things that we do want to make some changes on. and um, But I think we have a really good start on figuring out how what we want to do with our convention. And we know that we definitely will have a virtual component, a big virtual component in the future. One of the things that we know already is that we're going to have more ability for streaming. We're going to have some more streaming. So we'll have more ability to stream our afternoon sessions. So we're really delving into the ins and outs of the convention and 
how to make this the best convention ever. And uh, I want to turn it over to the board for questions and comments, but I just want to say thank you, Janet, Nancy, David, and the convention steering committee. I know right now you all are meeting uh, each week and really taking this lessons learned document and going through it and from it creating a series of action items and assigning people to get those action items done before the next convention. That is correct. We really appreciate you kind of putting that accountability inside of the lessons learned document and thank you. And I'll open it up. Any board uh, members who have any comments? I know several of you are on the convention steering committee. Mr. President. Yes, Ray, go ahead. Yeah. um, I just want to say how impressed I was with how that document was laid out and how it laid out each area and the things we want to start doing, stop doing, continue, change, mm-hmm. everything. It they really did a great job. laid it out in a really nice way. And what I really liked about it was that regardless how we do conventions in the future, whether it's, you know, I, I agree with uh, what was said just a few minutes ago, and that is regardless what we do in the future, we're going to have a significant virtual component. And um, I think it really kind of laid out things uh, in a nice way. The only, the only quarrel that I had, and that's a minor one, uh, was one of the statements in there said, we shouldn't rely on on people's personal equipment for, uh, for things. And so my thought was, well, is ACB going to buy me a nice, fancy laptop? All right. (laughs) (laughs) So, no, no, it was a great document and it really laid things out very well. So thank you. Thank you, guys. Yep. And I think that's fine. Yeah, I think it was I think it was really uh, Ray for the kind of for for some of those key pieces of equipment that we use to, to, to do all the functionality. But yes, Ray, thank you so much. Any other comments from the board? All right. Well, thank you so much. And again, thank you, uh, Janet. And I'll be Nancy back in a few and, minutes and when we'll, we when we'll, you get back to me next. Okay. Sounds very good. Uh, and next is item number eight on the agenda, which is really a review of our 2020 ACB convention satisfaction survey. I want to thank uh, Tony and Rick for all their efforts in putting it together and evaluating it. And we've asked them to kind of come together tonight and take about 15 minutes and give us the highlights of the satisfaction survey. And then we'll open it up for questions and comments from the board. So, Tony and Rick, I don't know who's taking the lead, but whoever is, please take it away. And thank you. Thank you. Yeah, thank you so much, Mr. President. I'll, I'll set things up, Rick, if you're comfortable with that. Um, sure. Because I, I, I'm going to quote Ringo Starr and, and pretty much say, I'm just happy to be here. Um, <laughs> the amount of work that Ringo did, Ringo, listen to me, the amount of work that Rick did. <laughs> Pellet gun. Oh, we got a new Ringo. Can I hear a drum roll, please? Oh, I get by with a the amount friends. of work that Rick did was 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 impressive. So I'd, I'd want to first start off by saying thanks to Rick as well. Um, and you know, I'm I'm reminded of when I was in graduate school, struggling through a thesis, and and the piles and piles of data. Uh, and then 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 Rick forwarded me what he was been working on, it, and it literally is like a graduate uh, dissertation or thesis. The past couple of months, um, it was outstanding work on the data. Uh, you know, some of the things that were highlighted in the report, I think just as a caveat, um, before throwing it over to you, Rick, um, was, 
you know, some of the things that were shared in the in the the document that Kate Vendimio at, at Mount Vernon Consulting did for the post convention, you know, sort of staff engagement, uh, you know, was really sort of uh, highlighted and and accentuated and and really just in a sense um, echoed, uh, you know, and reaffirmed based on the the perspectives and opinions and comments that were shared overall by the group. Uh, there's some exciting data uh, that, Rick, I'll, I'll go ahead and hand it over to you now if you want to share some of the top lines. Um, I think that really, you know, allowed us to to affirm what we felt like was going on during sort of that enthusiasm, that chaotic sense of excitement. Um, but at the same time, too, I think there's some excellent feedback that can help guide us uh, moving forward and in, in sort of navigating how the best way to leverage virtual meetings are in terms of the convention, what popped, what didn't pop, and things like that. But, you know, those reports are available for folk. Uh, if you haven't already had a chance to read the executive summary that, that Rick had put together, uh, there is also the, the large-scale tabulation for those that want to dive into the weeds. Feel free to shoot me an email. You know, my email is astevens at acb.org, and uh, we will get that sent to you. Thank you to Nancy Christine for helping format it uh, for, for low vision readers as well. Uh, in terms of the the executive summary, uh, but in terms of the large tab data that that really gets you into the weeds for those that maybe this you read it and then you have additional questions and you want to get a greater sense of that, uh, we'll be happy to share that information as well. Uh, it's pretty it's pretty pretty deep uh, for those that you know if you get a chance to check it out, uh, you realize I think the value that really Rick uh, you were able to bring to this project. So thank you so much and very good for the past few months. And I will hand it over to you now to share some of the top highlights and and uh, some of the, the, the exciting things that came out of the survey. Yeah, thank you, Tony. Um, I, you know, Nancy, I, I think when you were speaking, I think I heard you say next year's virtual confession at one point. <laughs> <laughs> so so, so listen, listen to the recording very carefully. I got to take out of that. But, <laughs> but anyways, yeah, this, well. this survey... Um, Rick, I will be taking confessions if that's what you're looking for. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and and my my name is no longer Pellet Gun; it's now Pivot Table. <laughs> so you, we've, we've, you don't have enough time, Nancy, to take all my confessions. <laughs> <laughs> so, anyways, um, top line stuff. Uh, just let me just throw some numbers out at you. We had 637 responses to the survey, which is three times as many as we've had in past years. I think this is the third or fourth year that we do the survey. And um, uh, I mean, it was incredible. We ran it for three weeks and got that, that you know, incredible flood of responses uh, very, very quickly. Um, I would characterize the responses that came in as being extremely enthusiastic, extremely enthusiastic. Um, the part of the survey that I found the most interesting, and I would invite everybody to take the time to, I, I don't know exactly what data was sent to you guys, but there are the open-ended responses um, that if you take some time to read through them, um, you really get a sense of uh, what Tony was talking about in terms of validating some of the things that we thought or true and some of our own conclusions. I mean, you can hear it in people's own words if you uh, go through those uh, go through those open-ended questions. Um, 
you know, the survey, just the way the survey uh, was composed, we had 18 questions, two of which were open-ended. The two open-ended questions uh, were decomposed down to individual elements that you know, what I call tagged items. You know, we if, if someone talked about a particular session, I tagged it with that session name, that type of thing. We had um, 1,400 tags uh, on question 17, which was the positive comments, and about 850 on the on the negative or on the the comments where there were people were making suggestions on things to do. Uh, you know, I, I found it kind of cool that we had 1,400 uh, positive and a lot less than that on the on on, on the suggestion side. Um, one of the things that I, I, I just want to uh, put out there um, that, that I found very interesting, we, we had tons of people praising us uh, in those open-ended questions. Uh, I mean, the, the number one uh, answer that was coming through on the positive side was just general praise. Um, but it was interesting because a lot of them, and I mean a lot of them, were caveated with things like, given this is your first time doing this, it was pretty damn good. And uh, yeah, there were technical glitches, but uh, they weren't so bad and, and, you know, stuff like that. So I, I, I you know, I, that just says to me that the bar is going to be raised a little bit higher next year. Expectations are going to be higher uh, because everybody, everybody will have had a whole year to, to work through this stuff. But but um, when you go through the, um, the summaries that you have, the, one of the things that, that's really interesting is, are the amount of no opinion answers that came out in the multiple choice questions. And those no opinions say to me that those are people who were not taking part in a particular element that we were asking about. Uh, it was like 30% of the people, I don't, I'm not getting these numbers exactly right, but it was 30 plus percent of folks uh, didn't go to the exhibit hall. About 20% of folks appeared not to have taken part in tours. Uh, about 40% of folks uh, didn't do anything with special interest affiliates. Um, and, and, you know, I, I had never really seen the data quite that way. So, so I found that very, very interesting. Um, in terms of the composition of the sample, uh, and I think this is important because I, 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 you know, this may be a little bit counterintuitive for some folks, but thirty-five uh, percent of the sample were people with some amount of usable vision, and five and a half percent of those people were people who were fully sighted. And of those folks, about 70% of those folks love the video. And about an equal number of folks who are totally blind did not like the video. Okay. So, uh, I, I mean, no real surprise there. But I think, I think we, you know, we, we hit a home run with, with the video that, that we did do. Um, one of the, the biggest uh, areas where I, I, I think there was just a, a human outcry for was information, being able to navigate the, the convention uh, and know where to go to get invita uh, invitation, yeah, <laughs> information. Um, I'm going to have to say my confession here on that. Um, <laughs> You know, know where to go to get information. Um, it was the NFB 
uh, crowd compass or whatever that tool was, uh, people that had had access to it liked it because it, it appeared to be an aggregator of all a whole ton of information in one place. And, and I, 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 I think that's one area that I would highlight as an area that I think, um, you know, we, we can really uh, uh, get a lot more um, uh, user-friendliness to, to the whole convention and, and make the convention that much easier for people to navigate. Um, there was a question in there about how easy, you know, what was the uh, – the, uh, degree of easy versus difficultness it was to uh, to access the convention and it was 92 percent of the people said it was easy you know it was either very easy or easy i mean that was incredible uh you know it, it, uh, over half of the people prefer prefer zoom o- over any other method uh, to access the convention and, and that in itself is interesting because zoom uh, is not an access method per se. There, you know, you can get to Zoom via you know multiple access means, like telephone and computer and smartphone and all this kind of stuff. But over fifty percent of the people, you know, like Zoom as their as their number one. Alexa scored very high um, as a preferred thing in terms of uh, of uh, access methods that people used at some point during the convention. Zoom was number one. And, um, you know, Alexa was high up there, as was ACB Link. And, um, you know, people, about 7 or 8% of the folks come in on the telephone. So, um, I mean, that, that's a pretty, pretty good, sizable number of folks. Um, let me see here. Any questions? Hey Rick, this, this is this is this is Dan. I a couple. I you kind of had a couple. This one takeaway I had was really when when we the last question talking about video, and that really resonated with me. That for our low vision community, seventy percent, sixty nine point eight or something. I don't know, but basically seventy percent of our uh, low vision and 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 sighted community saw real value in having video. So that yeah, that yeah. meant a lot. If we're if we're going to reach out, and I think where that's one of our, our target markets as we move forward, uh, if, if we're going to reach out and and really, you know, be be that welcoming organization for the low vision community, that that really resonated with me. Um, the second was like you just talked about, I was amazed at all the different ways people access the convention, including like their Victor stream. I mean, all those had pretty reasonable counts. So it was very interesting to see the five, six different ways that people use to get into the convention. And, and I bet they used, uh, some people used many of them throughout the convention, you know, it wasn't one right. way. Yeah. Right. Yeah. So that, yeah. That was really interesting. And, and also again, it always, resonates with me with the percentage of our participants that are, you know, over the age of, uh, you know, over the age of 55. <laughs> right, right. Yeah. So that's always a, you know, a large portion. Well, the good, of our good news population. is we got about 30% of, of the sample was younger than 54. Yeah, that was good. Yep. So yeah. um, I think that's a little bit higher than it's been in the past. Mm-hmm. Um, Slightly, yes. And, 
Yeah, a, a little bit. So, so, so that's good. And I, I, I think it, you know, if we uh, look at the number of people in, in the next gen area, I think that number has grown too. Um, so, so we ought to do some comparisons there. I think, I think that's good signs. Well, one of the words that was used a lot uh, in the comments was variety. And, mm-hmm. you know, when you look at the open-ended questions and just the fact that I had 400 tags that I used to, to tag, all, you know, this 20, 24, 2,500 different pieces of information, uh, I, I mean, the, the breadth of the diversity and variety of things that people find of value in our convention is, is unbelievable. When you ask people to say, what are the, you know, what do you like the most, uh, you know, it, it's you know, all over the place. I, I mean, you know, it, it, the, the, the content, I, cat, I put things in categories and everything that, that was referencing a element of content got put into this content group. And there are 45 different types of program sessions that were mentioned and mentioned, you know, more multiple times um, in those open-ended questions. So, uh, and and people were saying, you know, love the variety. Uh, something that came out a lot too, which I got a kick of, it was said more than once. Uh, it was said qu- quite a few times. Was what I really loved was if I went into a breakout session and I didn't like it, I didn't have to go down the hall. I, would <laughs> I could leave. Switch, yeah. <laughs> I, I would just switch over to the next one. That's right. <laughs> and, and you know, and, and it was great. Um, you know, it thing like it, you know exhibits what people. It, it, I, I mean, exhibits didn't score as as well as it could have. Number one, there weren't as many people that went to the exhibits as, as I would have thought would have gone. Uh, a, a lot of the, the issues with exhibits were people's schedules weren't syncing up with, you know, when they had time available wasn't syncing up to when something was playing, um, you know, on the channel. So there was some amount of... of some element of, hey, you know, is there any way you can do this more as an, on an on-demand basis? But, but the thing that people were really asking for when it came to exhibits was the ability to talk to exhibitors. Yep. Okay. And and that's one of the thing one of the many things that the steering committee is is reviewing and trying to figure out how we have a work group that's going to work on that for virtual life. So I think that, but the thing that I was really impressed at, if I can take a second, is there was a lot of, there was very positive comment and a high percentage of people attended the general sessions. And I think that was more so with this convention than there is in the in-person conventions, because, you know, sometimes you go in that general session room and it's pretty darn empty unfortunately but there was a great amount of satisfaction with general session which really pleased me yeah me too and what, what was interesting too about general session well you know there's this kind of this question about acb business and and did it bother people that we didn't get to conduct a lot of acb business the um i don't have the exact percentages but the amount of people that mentioned acb business was about the same percentage of people that go to ACB business sessions that, that are still hanging around at the end of convention. Right. Um, so, so, you know, the mix is, is about the same. I mean, there are people who are very, very focused on ACB business, but, you know, they're a, a defi- definable group of people. And of those folks, voting was a big issue, right? Yep. Uh, yes. You know, they all wanted some 
some virtual way to vote. And of course, a lot of them are citing now the fact that a lot of affiliates are doing it. Um, you know, as we do the state conventions, um, you know, we, we found what at least three or four affiliates already that either have already done uh, virtual voting or in the process of doing so. So, um, so, so, so that's very, very, very interesting too. All right. Thank you, Rick. Uh, any, uh, Questions, comments for uh, Rick or Tony or Janet? It's Janet. I just want to say one thing. I, Rick, you did an outstanding job with this survey. You worked so hard at it. Thank you. And I want to also give a thank you to the people who did the survey over the telephone because we right. had, of the people who took the survey, I probably parsed out about 100 um, telephone survey requests. So we had, you know, a high volume of people that, which just shows that we, as we know, and we're working on, we still have a large number of people who are not computer people. Right. Oh, one of the, one of the things, by the way, and this is an important point. Um, uh, and this was a, a theme throughout the entire thing was I separated out the first time attendees from everybody, from people oh, yeah. that, had, that had attended conventions before. And, uh, and I calculated the percentage plus or minus uh, difference between uh, the people that were first timers versus people that, that have been to, you know, come, that have been at conventions before. Um, the thread pretty much was a little bit negative. The first timers were a little bit negative and almost every, you know, more, more dissatisfied than other folks in, 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 in all the categories, but not by much. No. And 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 the behavior of the first timers, you know, you expected some things to kind of jump off the page in terms of, of their characteristics be different than the rest of everybody else. It, it really that really didn't happen from what I could see. OK, they're kind of liking the same thing that the people who've been coming for a while are liking. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. 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 And I think for the first timers, it was basically just trying to get the feel of the convention. I think that was, you know, seems like that was a little, you know, when it's your first, like anything, when it's your first, it's a little hard. You're, you're overwhelmed. Yes. Yes. Well, and yeah, that, and, I kind of got that feeling right, from and, the first right, timers. And, and information was, a, was a bigger issue for first timers than it was for the other folks and, and so on. Um, and, and the people that were first timers, uh, could not go to conventions because of, you know, they, they, they can't travel, they can't afford it, you know, illness, I mean, these, yeah, illness. these are, these are people that will probably, balance. Yeah. Yeah, probably never be able to go to conventions yes. in, in many cases. And, uh, you know, the, the best word to describe those people is, you know, ecstatic. I mean, they were just absolutely thrilled that they could participate um, uh, something that people were yearning was more Q and A, which was interesting. There wasn't enough Q and A to mm. satisfy a whole lot of people. Um, something that people were a little bit put off with was um, the fact that they wanted to be able to talk to other people in the room, other participants, and they weren't able to do that. But uh, you know, I, 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 but but when it comes down to the programming and what people thought of the programming and what people thought of the whole experience. Um, it, it came out very, very positive. Yes. Now, having said all that, this, the sample shows is 85% white old people is what is the predominant, uh, you know, demographic in the survey. Okay. If I, I would, uh, uh, you know, I, I, 
didn't have all kinds of time to get in there and start decomposing into other demographic groups. But, uh, you know, there were the people with, with diversity concerns were very, very vocal, but that got very, you know, if, if you didn't separate those people out, you know, it, 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 it kind of, kind of got, you know, washed out and so on and so forth. So if, if there are subsets of the data, according to the demographics, that we might want to look at separately. We can do that now very easily, given that the data has all been parsed one time. So, um, you know, and, and, and I would, I would challenge everybody to kind of be thinking a little bit outside of the box because what the survey really reflects, I think is ACB as it is today. Okay. And, and, um, you know, if, if we really study the younger people, which, which we didn't do in this cut of the survey, we may see some different things. Like, um, I, I know for a fact that some of the younger folks were very vocal about things like employment and very disappointed that there are very little to do with employment and that mm-hmm. type of thing. So, so anyways, so that's it for me. But, Thanks. Thanks, Rick. Uh, any, any other comments or questions from the board? So this is Jeff, and I, I don't want to start a discussion, really, but I, I just want to ask, is the steering committee starting to look not only at the impact which this convention uh, will have on the next year or two, but on what conventions should or may have to look like, you know, five years down the road or whatever? Is we that are sort of working... In- Yes, we're we're not just saying okay tomorrow. We're trying to be proactive about future conventions. Yes. Okay. Thank you. Um, this is Kim. And then David. Go ahead, okay. Kim. And then David's next. Okay. Go ahead, Kim. Um, I just want to echo that um, Rick and Tony. Um, what a phenomenal job to parse through all that data. It's just amazing. And. Um, Thank you for for doing all that. It's um, I think it's a real opportunity, especially for this convention steering committee, to um, to take a look at the um, the open ended responses. And I hope that you'll be able to send, or Janet will be able to send that to all the members of the steering committee, so that we'll have a chance to to look at those open ended questions a little more and okay. think about that and. Um, would you, I think you said that you have parsed or can parse out data. Um, I'd be very, very interested in comments relating to audio description for the audio description project steering committee. If you can share that with me so I can work on sharing it with my committee. In yeah, that that was, yeah. And the open-ended questions. Uh, oh yeah. Yeah. That thanks for bringing that up, Kim. I mean, the, the, uh, the sessions, by the way, they, they really, uh, were very, very positively received were the transportation sessions. People love those that came out on top. Audio description was, was close behind in number two. And then, you know, the other ones are listed in the report, but, but transportation audio description did very well. So. And we can aggregate or isolate, you know, regarding transportation for Ron and the committees and as well, yeah. Kim, for you, audio description, we'll, we'll pull all yeah. that stuff for your community. Yeah, I think I, that's I, really, really valuable information yeah. to share. Rick has done yeah. a good job of breaking it up. So um, yeah, I, I, I really like the steering committee. I, yeah. I actually thought I had. Maybe I dr- just dreamt that I would send, send it to the steering committee, but I will. <laughs> that, that would be, I think really let's send it out to the board yeah. and that'll get the steering committee. I think, I think it went to the board, be, didn't it? 
I think I only think the so. summary only is the there. summary, I believe. Okay. All right. Uh, we can, yeah. we can. It's a rather, the other document's a rather lengthy document um, yeah, with a, a lot of the, the text. So we'll we'll circulate to those, um, you know, uh, whoever wants it, but, you know, Kim and others. Matt, uh, might be easier to put it in the Dropbox. Yeah. That, we can do that. That's fine. We can yeah. do that. Yeah. Okay. okay. Go ahead, David. You you were Thank next, you. but we kind of all spoke in there on Kim's thoughts. So go ahead, David. <laughs> um, and and I won't. I don't want to get off into another topic. Uh, first of uh -huh. all, I want to compliment you guys on a great job, uh, Rick. You and I did a Tuesday topics a couple of weeks ago, uh, and a young man asked us about bioptic driving and the amount of low vision stuff that was put on at the convention. Did you see a lot more of that in the survey, aiming in that direction, or was it just? Uh, his thoughts that night. Um, well, thanks for bringing up Tuesday topics because I got a couple <laughs> things to say about that. Um, the uh, yeah, some of it came out in the survey, David, um, but uh, not as much as as I thought would have been in there. Quite frankly, um, but yes, some of that's in there, and I can surface that. It, it to the extent it, it came out, it's in the open ended questions, and I can surface that uh, for you. Now well, the interesting I'll dig into it when it you know when the whole thing is made available yeah. in the Dropbox. Yeah. I'll do it. Now, now the interesting thing the interesting thing about Tuesday topics, and I and I think this uh, this is kind of a uh, of of a milestone. Not that milestone is not the right word, but to me, this was really significant. You know, we started podcasts in Tuesday topics, and. Um, uh, and and we're watching how popular these different episodes are. Um, the one on low vision was two weeks ago, and it's already the number two most popular episode ahead of the one for Charlie Crawford. Okay, mm -hmm. the only episode that's more popular than that one was the next gen and students thing. So all, all that says to me is there's a lot of interest in in these areas. You know, next gen students. Uh, low vision. I, I was blown away at, at how many people have listened to that low vision thing. And I was also blown away at, at some of the feedback we were getting the night of the thing. So I'm, this probably sounds like I'm tooting my own horn. I really don't mean to be. I just, I, I, I just think, you know, there, there's a, a, a real, um, you know, real strong, uh, opportunity there for people with low vision right now to, to, uh, you know, to do stuff in ACB, I think. And uh, Rick and Tony, uh, one thing that came up as we were having the discussion, you know, of course, we have our nine uh, steering committees, you know, that are key functional areas of the organization. And it'd be interesting. Obviously, the convention wants to see it all, but I, that could be interesting to say, you know, what comments do we have related to advocacy, related to information referral and peer support, related to public awareness and communications? You know, it might be interesting to, if we can do that, share those comments with those committees, uh, like Kim has asked for audio description. I, I think there could be some real power in that. So think about it. Okay. All right. Any other questions for uh, Tony and Rick? All right. Well, thank you again, guys. Great job. And, and you did it so quickly, too. You all didn't let moss grow underneath your feet there. You got that survey out quickly, and it's very, very appreciated. Yeah, you're welcome. All right. Next is item nine on the agenda, which is discussion and deci decision on the 2021 ACB conference and convention. 
we've kind of got four topics underneath this. One is to talk about the current hotel contract with the Hyatt in Phoenix. Uh, second is to kind of uh, review and go over some with some discussion uh, the recommendation for the convention steering committee. Then time for all of the board to kind of discuss and comment, and then hopefully uh, we'll reach a consensus and make a decision for next year. Uh, this is something that really Janet and the convention team are really pushing the board to 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 make a, a decision on a direction uh, so they can move forward. So with that said, I'm going to turn it over uh, under. Nine 9A to Nancy and Janet to kind of talk about the hotel contract with the Hyatt in Phoenix. Hey, Nancy. Um, Nancy, it's Eric. Um, Mark, I think, was trying to get back into the meeting. I, somehow he got kicked out. I don't he know if he's in. in the waiting room. Nope, okay, he's cool. in. Yes, sir. Thanks so much. I appreciate it. Thanks. Yep. Mm -hmm. All right. So, Janet and Nancy. All right. Well, we do have a hotel contract, obviously, with the Hyatt. Unlike the high, unlike the Renaissance contract, the contract with the Hyatt does not have a 60 day, a 90 day cancellation and a different cost for each of those. Um, as of July of 2020, from July of 2020 until July of 2021, if we cancel, it is just one sum. And it is. I'm sorry, I thought I had it right in front of me, but it's Three, like 310,500. Yeah. Okay. Is what we would have to pay for canceling the contract, whether we canceled it today or whether we canceled it June of 2021. Now, I was able to cancel the contract for the fall board meeting in November. I initially had moved some rooms to January for the for the convention committee to go in January and start planning because that's absolutely the latest we really, you know, could go to Phoenix and get things going. Um, but I was also able to cancel that because we felt at this point, even traveling in January was not, you know, advisable for our committee. And I didn't want to put the committee at risk. Um, they did ask me about July and they said, what are your thoughts? And I said, honestly, I don't really know because the board has to make that decision. But I went through, you know, explaining the difficulties for people who are blind and visually impaired to socially distance. And, you know, they said they, the person I spoke with, of course, said she totally understood. Now, I think corporate Hyatt will have a different, you know, they may not be as willing, but I think we can, you know, we'll have to work with them if we decide to go virtually. I do have a multi-year contract from Hyatt that I just recently received for Jacksonville, the Hyatt in Jacksonville, and also the Hyatt in Dallas. So, if we were to go into a, if we were to go virtually, what I would offer the Hyatt is, <coughs> excuse me, that we would book with them in Phoenix for 2024. And then if we were willing to possibly get involved with a several, a multi-year contract with Hyatt, I've seen the Jacksonville Hyatt. I like, I, that is a very good, uh, 
venue, the Dallas Hyatt I looked at when I did a site visit between um, in Dallas when we selected the Sheraton. And I like the Hyatt in Dallas also. I just I chose the Sheraton over the Dallas Hyatt because of the fact that at that point there was a whole a big food court connected to the Sheraton Hyatt. But the Hyatt in Dallas also has, you know, a lot of things around it. So that would certainly not be neither of those would be a bad venue if that would help us get some relief from that $310,000 hotel bill. And I think we probably, you know, we'd have to probably put a little bit of money down like we did for the Renaissance. And in that contract, is there a force majeure clause? Yes. Did I say that right, yes, Jim? You Crow? did. Very yeah, good. Okay, very okay. good. <laughs> yes. Yeah. They, they, always ha- they always have a force majeure. So. Okay. Yes. But at this point, it's too early for there, force majeure. Right. Right. Okay. But it, but it is there. Yes. Okay. So that's basically the hotel contract in a nutshell. Okay. And uh, then Dan, the only thing you got oh, wrong with that is that you you you, you didn't do it with quite the French accent. That was the only thing that was wrong with. Well, that's a, yeah. Yeah. That's that's, that's <laughs> probably not going to happen for my guy who was born in Tennessee <laughs> yeah. and raised in Florida. But you know. Yes, sir. Well, uh, first time I read Force Majeure, Jaws really had a time with that one. And I'm like, what is this? I had to look on my Braille display because I had no idea what that was. Um, Would you like uh, me to go on with the steering committee? Uh, well, I think, uh, what's the, yeah, I think. Or do you want to uh, entertain? Well, let, let's, let's entertain if there's any questions uh, re- from the board related to the contract. Okay. We'll, we'll do them one at a time. Uh, on that. So questions, comment from the board related to the hotel contract. Dan, this is Kim. Go ahead, Kim. Um, I, I, I know Janet doesn't play an attorney on television, so I just yes, wanted I to Yes, I do. Know. Didn't you know that? <laughs> I missed your show. <laughs> um, but I mean, has, um, has an attorney looked at the contract to give us any advice on um, basically where we would stand as far as what, so, what decisions might need to be made. Kim, we have reached out to our attorneys and they have re- represented the Hyatt in some other cases. So at this point, both them and ACB would need to sign a conflict waiver before they could give us any legal advice. So... But I think, and as far as my playing an attorney on TV is concerned, I think that, you know, we probably would be able to use similar language. We did last year. As we did last year, yes. Yeah, I mean, it was a, it's, I think we have an incredibly compelling cause. Yes. And and it, it can't really be argued by anybody. Right. You know, we we have significant challenges to social distancing, and yes. we all know that, and yep. and we can make that claim, and that's a pretty substantial claim. Yes. So. So, you know. All right. Just wanted to know where things stood there. So thank okay. you. Yeah, you know, we we have reached out to them, and I think we you know we just have to go through the process of getting the the waiver signed. But uh, yep. Um, with respect to this, can you recognize me? Oh, sure. Jim, go ahead. Um, You know, we do have a compelling argument, but I think we need to be mindful of the fact that um, the tourism industry and these hotels have lost 
a horrendous amount of money um, and business. And therefore, the situation was relatively bad when we were able to work our magic and have the attorneys work to get us out of um, that contract. But I don't think we should be over optimistic that we're going to be able to um, escape this contract without any feedback from the hotel or knowing what the hotel corporate's position is going to be. So I just wanted to show a little different light on it. Thank you. You take it. Thank you, Jim. Um, other other comments on this particular item? All right. Um, yeah. ne- go ahead. Oh, I'm sorry. Who was that? I. No, no, this is it's Mark. The only thing I want to oh, say. Hi, I, Mark. I, yes. I, yeah. The only, I, it, this all sounds great. I. The only thing I was. I've long thought that we <coughs> should be thinking about. Um, multi-year contracts with the same uh, hotelier. So I'm pleased to hear that that's in in the mix as we think our way through this maze. So I hope we all take that um, option very seriously. Thanks. Yep. And I think there's always, no doubt in any of these negotiations, there's value in being able to, you know, offer a offer a, a carrot, so to speak, but offering future businesses is always something that, that, you know, um, hotel chains will take under consideration. But Jim is right. I, you know, there's, there, I don't want us to go into this without understanding that there's, there's risk involved here, you know, uh, for sure. For for sure. sure. Yep. Okay. Uh, item, uh, item B under nine was, uh, the convention steering committee, uh, talked about this item on their August 31st uh, steering committee meeting. And we're really the uh, impetus for, for scheduling this meeting tonight uh, with the, with the steering committee's recommendations. So uh, Janet, Nancy, you're our convention uh, leads and David Trott is our officer liaison. So like to hear from the three of you. And then obviously we have, uh, Jim and Jeff and Kim and Katie and I know by Half saying the board. <laughs> I, by saying this I'll I'll skip somebody but I know for David sure Trot. David oh you said David mentioned, uh, you mentioned him uh, we're yeah. also are also on that steering committee so yeah so okay uh, so Janet right. Nancy and David so we talked about we've talked about this a little bit but. The, on August 31st, the steering committee did recommend that we make the decision or discuss the 2021 convention being a virtual convention because of the issues with social distancing and the uncertainty with the coronavirus. We discussed the hotel, and if we let the hotel now know this early, it certainly gives the hotel time to schedule other conferences and use up those rooms. It um, gives the, it does not, the convention committee, as I said, does not have to go to Arizona. Last year we had all this, we had, we normally the convention committee starts planning in October. We had bus contracts signed. We had tour venues deposits, one of which we're still waiting to get back. We have exhibit hall decorators that we work with 
we have all this infrastructure, which involves a lot of time and a lot of payments in advance. And we just feel with the uncertainty, and this will give us a lot longer time rather than the end of March jumping into virtual world, and it will give us time to prepare for an even better virtual convention in 2021. So we feel, the steering committee feels, and Nancy and David, you can certainly add anything you want to this, but did recommend that we go to, that we recommend to the board that we go to a virtual convention in 2021. David or Nancy, did you want to add anything to Janet's comments before we throw it open to the board? Yeah, the, the other feeling of the committee was that that uh, it would give us added time. I know Janet touched on it, you know, a lot more added time to put on a much better virtual convention than we did last year. We won't be waiting until early April to get started, really, when we really kicked it off last year. So um, there's a lot of advantages to it. And, uh, you know, the committee didn't discuss this, but one of the things we need to look at is uh, when we vote on it is is the room counts. Uh, you know, I don't care uh, if 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 there's enough people that want to go and we have a convention, yeah. you're still not going to have enough to meet the room count. So the money, the money is not as big an issue as it might sound right now. Yep, that he's David's right. We would probably end up going into what's called attrition because we would not meet our room nights because we know there's a lot of people who aren't going to feel comfortable traveling in July. That, that is something that we looked at when the steering committee met. Um, we talked about the potential of the virus going on through the early part or the middle part of next year. And I had asked the steering committee who would be comfortable going yeah. to in-person convention. And there was maybe, I think there was one person that was comfortable. The rest of the steering committee did not want to go to it because yeah. our Everyone who's an attendee has to touch everything. And even though the virus is out there, there could be a lot of people that have not been vaccinated for the virus. And so they're still um, susceptible to getting the virus from other people. And God forbid our attendees got sick at our convention. What if, mm. if somebody died? If some, You know, we never, I mean, and that can happen under any circumstance, obviously, but when you have a virus such as this, it does certainly give you pause and you have to think about the welfare of our attendees. Absolutely. Mm -hmm. Well, thank you, uh, Janet, Nancy, and David uh, for representing the uh, Convention Steering Committee. I'm and, sorry, Dan, let me just say one other yeah, thing. Please. No one wants to do this. Everyone, yeah. you know, we all love the in-person convention, but we just all feel that it's our responsibility to be responsible mm -hmm. yeah uh, and now i want to uh item c on the 9c i want to really turn it over to the board and i kind of you know we've been through uh we've we've had an opportunity to watch a lot of congressional hearings here over the last uh uh day or two and even over the last month so oh, don't I, remind us I, I, I sure. I, I really want to take the approach. Uh, I think first is I, I'd like to go around and you know give give each board member you know one or two minutes. This is not the time to filibuster, uh, but but for everybody, I would like to hear from all our officers and board members on their thoughts. 
and then we'll open it up for for debate. Uh, but I want to give everybody a chance to get their thoughts out on the table before those of us that are a little more strong lunged jump in and you know and start going. So uh, I'm going to uh, kind of recognize our officers and then our board of directors. So I'm going to start with our immediate past president, Kim Charleston. Sorry for putting you on the spot, Kim. Okay. Sorry. I was <laughs> muted and I didn't know all you were going to call on me so all, quickly. All, all you other officers and, and board members can get ready. And by the way, so. get your when, finger ready for that unmute we, button. <laughs> when we get to the board, just, just in reverence to, uh, to, uh, to Jeff, Tom and Michael Talley and Pat Sheehan, we're going to go in reverse order from the alphabet this year. So if I can get it right. So, so you guys can be preparing after the officers. So go ahead, Kim. Thank you. Um, I, I don't have too much to say. I'm, I'm part of the convention steering committee. So, you know, we, we discuss this in, in great detail, all the different issues that have probably will come up this evening. I'm sure we talked about because we, we thought of all the things we could possibly think about when we were discussing it. And it just felt like we had to really look at this and you know, the, last year we were forced into making a decision. We had to do what we did, and we didn't have very long to turn it around into a really terrific virtual convention. This year, it really seemed like, why should we start planning a, an in-person convention when all the signs are showing us that, that you know, our... our country is not going to be ready. And as an organization and as a blindness community, I think we're not going to be ready to go out and travel again quite the way we did prior to February and March of 2020. So it just to me seems like the the completely responsible thing to do and to turn our resources now to planning the absolute best virtual convention that we can possibly do with even more time than we had in 2019 to just make it an absolutely superior virtual convention for all, all you know, participants. We've got a lot of things to think about in the virtual side of things, but at least if we make a decision, we'll have time to do it and we can do it right. So... I really urge all of you to to think about it. It's not the decision we want to make, um, but I think it's the right decision for everyone. Thank right. you, Mr. President. Thank you, Kim. And now we're going to hear from First Vice President Mark Riker. Mark. Oh boy. Um, so I can tell you that in the last six months, of course, we canceled AER's contract this summer. We punted. The year 2022, AER does this conference every two years. I am, I, God knows where I'm going to be next year, let alone in 2022. But I will say, uh, I think all of us in the AER boards had this conversation. I'm not entirely sure. All we did was basically change the dates on that contract. And I think all of us are scared witless about the fact that we just bought that same contract with the same room block, et cetera, et cetera, for the year 2022. So we're already starting the process now of having exactly these conversations. I think 2021 in July will be here quicker than any of us can possibly imagine. And so I think the idea of um, assuming now that we're going to do 
Uh, let's start with the default being that we're going to do it virtually. If there's some way to negotiate um, with folk to minimize our losses, and frankly, if we can make lemon, what is it, lemonade out of lemons, let's do it. Anyway, I don't have anything else to say. Thanks. Thank you, Mark. Uh, Ray Campbell, second vice president. All right. I am strongly opposed to a completely virtual convention. Uh, I think that look how fast things have changed over the last seven months. We're nine months away from the convention. And yes, I may be better recently than anybody knows that there's a lot of planning that goes into a convention. Um, I, I feel like that we are, um, you know, we don't know what nine months from now is going to be. Who knows? Things may be great. I mean, we saw how fast this changed. I understand things may not be. What I would like to see done is planning for a definite smaller in-person con convention with a virtual component and maybe getting rid of some things that we normally do, like tours, like um, you know, strongly recommending, you know, we talked about, you talk about the difficulty of social distancing. I understand that, but we can all mask up. And that's something that we can do. Um, and maybe part of the, what I'm saying tonight is my COVID fatigue showing. I don't know about the rest of you. I'm sick of living in fear. And I want to see America get back to normal as quick as we can, safely, 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 absolutely. We need to be smart. We need to be safe. Um, I will certainly support whatever decision the board makes, but I feel like we're way too early to make this decision. I would say that I would be comfortable that if we came back in December during the budget calls and, you know, reevaluated this, and if we felt the same way at that point, then yeah, I would be supportive. But we've seen how fast this has changed. And I just don't want to take the joy and risk away, or the joy of an in-person convention away, simply because we're looking at something that uh, uh, we don't know about. And my other red line, we have got to do our ACB business at some point. Thankfully, it looks like we can through the DC code. There are some provisions that have been incorporated that would allow us to do that. But I really feel like the way this pandemic has evolved, we're a little just a still, I, I respect what the steering committee has said, but I still feel like we're a little too early to make a final decision on this. But at the, at the very least, I'd like to see us plan for a, and understand there will be a smaller in-person component with a virtual um, component as well. Uh, the virtual is going to be part of our conventions for the for the future. And uh, I just uh, feel like maybe I'm that one person on this board that's I'm ready to travel now and do it safely. And uh, I I just would hate to see us make a decision that in July we'd find out that everything is cool in Arizona. And we could have gone and uh, in that. So that's all I have to say. Thank you, Ray. Uh, and next, we're going to hear from uh, Secretary Denise Colley. 
Well, I think whatever you do, you're going to end up with people on either side um, of this whole argument. And while I would agree with Ray that I'm, you know, I'm ready to be done with this whole virus thing, I, I truly don't believe anything's going to happen anytime soon. And I don't believe we're going to see a vaccine come out anytime soon. And so I still think we have to uh, really keep our membership in mind and what is best for our membership. And so I would definitely support having another virtual convention because as much as people like to be there in person and travel, we had a lot better attendance virtually and people got to attend more events because if like was said earlier, if you didn't really weren't interested in one, all you had to do is flip over to another one, which is harder to do when you're in person. The other thing I would say is I hope whatever we do, we do find a way to once again conduct our business because I would hate to see us get away from doing that and then all of a sudden start getting in the habit of <clears throat> not conducting our business because we're in a situation where we can't. So I would really hope that, you know, the powers that be were really hard on ensuring that we find a way this year to be able to conduct the business of the convention. Thank you, Denise. And now, uh, Treasurer David Trott. All right. For those of you that know me, I am the uh, two-week convention man. I love to be with my family and my friends. Uh, I, I, I think it's great and wonderful to have that opportunity. However, I've had brought home to me recently that nobody's immortal. And I have to be real careful where I go right now. Uh, and in, in response to my friend, Ray, who I, who I truly respect, realistically, Ray, if it's clear in July, we won't know it in December. The, to waste our time right now when we can be moving forward and possibly be in a situation to be in a better negotiation, uh, have better negotiation opportunities with the Hyatt, I, I think that in all honesty, as, as much as I regret it, and, and I do because I was that one holdout on the steering committee, I, I just uh, uh, you know, I want to be there. But unfortunately, I, I can't see us really safely going to Phoenix. However, having said that, I think that we are a progressive organization. Uh, we are the premier organization of blind people. I think we can handle the issues of taking care of business. And I think we do, if we do decide tonight to uh, counsel the uh, Phoenix Convention, then I, need, I think we do need to make a firm commitment on Omaha in 22 and say that we will be there uh, if we have to cut the convention size, whatever it takes to have an in-person convention. But let's be responsible tonight. Uh, fellow officers and board members uh, and make the right decision because truly uh, at this point in time, and, and it is, this is the point in time. It's, it's time to make that decision and having a virtual convention, I think is the right one. Thanks, Dan. Thank you, David. Uh, and then going in reverse alphabetical order, and you guys will have to keep me honest. Uh, Jeff, Tom, board member, Jeff, Tom. Okay. So one minor picky point uh ray it will not be cool in arizona in july no matter what we do so, <laughs> inside it will be <laughs> yeah inside you're right yeah, so yeah i have to agree with the others um 
let's say a vaccine does come out the first of the year. It might. But we do know it's going to take months for it to be distributed. We know the polls are indicating a large degree of skepticism. And we also know that the earlier we make the decision, the more likely the hotel is not to push back and to give us some kind of um, negotiated settlement to this. Um, I think that, you know, uh, I won't belabor the argument. I'm, I'm pretty clearly on that side. Two things, I think that any motion has to indicate that if the hotel doesn't present us with something that is favorable in terms of, you know, future contract considerations or whatever, then we need to, then it needs to come back to the board for further decision making. And secondly, as others have said, the first thing we really have to do, and I've seen the uh, same provisions that you have, Ray, and then that's great. We have to figure out a mechanism for voting. We can't put off elections any longer. So, And I know Dan is 100% in favor of that. But um, above and beyond that, I, I think it's just too early. It, it's you know too early to make any other... Dis- um, I'm sorry, let me rephrase that. It is too early for us to do anything but have a virtual convention at this point in time. So let's make the decision now, get it over with, and do the best we can. Thank you, Jeff. Uh, board member Michael Talley. Okay, thank you. Um, so I agree with uh, so many of the comments that have just been made. And uh, just like David and Ray, I, I can't wait to be back in, 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 in with people um, spending time in person. Uh, those conventions just mean so much to all of us. However, it just the responsibility. There's too many unknowns, too many variables. Um, I, I don't. We don't even know when a a, a um, vaccine will be ready. And then if, if with everyone being able to get it, I, I still don't think we'd be able to meet our room numbers. So I just think the responsible first thing to do would be to uh, is to vote to. Um, to, to do a virtual convention and to prepare for that. I know that here in Alabama, our, our convention it, it, for next September, our board is nervous about signing that. And that gives us even you know a few more months. However, we, we're concerned if, uh, about the attrition rate as well. So um, I, do, uh, I do and cannot wait until we can be back in person. However, I do believe that we need to go virtual. Thank you. Thank you, Michael. Uh, board member Pat Sheehan. Yeah, hi. Um, I just have one question for the steering committee. I agree with the safety concerns of of, uh, of everybody turning the membership. Um, what would be the break-even number that the that we would have to have at the convention to uh, make my, to make money on this convention? Eight hundred people, nine hundred people from the business side. Sorry, I was trying to unmute. Um, This is Janet. Well, if you're asking, I mean, we have on our our, uh, max room nights, we have, I believe, 680 room nights each night or rooms each night. So is that what you're asking? I I guess I don't know. I'm asking, yeah. How many would you say, how many people would you say we would need to bring to convention in order for us to have a successful convention? Because we've got two things to think about here. One is the safety of our people, which I think is, and the second is the business argument 
how many people would we need to bring to Phoenix to be able to make it a successful convention? You mean to make it worthwhile, to make it make worth it worthwhile. bringing, to make exactly. setting everything up in person? Yep. I would exactly. say we'd probably have to have at least, I mean, in, in, if we had 700 people, we're not going to meet our room nights. But I think to make it successful, we'd have to have at least 600 people there just to make it worth doing all the audio and getting the ballroom. And I mean, we're talking a lot of meeting rooms and we also have to guarantee a food and beverage minimum. And if we don't have that many people at the hotel, we're not going to guarantee that. And then if we don't have our food and beverage minimum met, we have to start paying for the meeting rooms. So I would say we'd probably have to have at least 600 people to make it at all feasible to do it. And I just can't see getting that. Do you think the, uh, the risk there is pretty high? Yes, I do. 700, 800 people. Yes. In the current condition. Yes. Thank you. I'm good, Dan. Okay. Thank you, Pat. Uh, Next uh, board member, Doug Powell. Yeah. I mean, I I agree with what people are saying. We, uh, in the current environment, we don't even have certainty about, anything as a you know in relationship to covid in terms of where the vaccines are where how the distribution is going to be um and i'd love for everybody to have been vaccinated by july 1st and say oh gee well that's you know uh, that's the way it goes you know everybody's safe now but in terms of planning um we don't have anything to plan with um and I would, I don't know, Ray, I heard you say something about, you know, look how far we've come. I, I, I look at it from the other side, which says we haven't come anywhere because people are still getting sick and going out without masks and all that kind of stuff. So I, I really don't, you know, the, the danger, the same danger is still there. So I, I really think that um, we, we need the time to plan and I don't think we can have any certainty about, uh, you know, about the, about, you know, things coming through. You know, I've heard at least second quarter, third quarter before, um, you know, the vaccine is just being distributed and, um, you know, the, so it, I, I just, I, I don't think for this year, it's not worth it for us, um, to, to tr- try to have to play that game. I think that if we, you know, if we make the decision, we go with what we've got, we make it a great convention virtually, um, we're that much better off um, and, and we can, you know, come back at it uh, when we see what's going on uh, for next year. Uh, thank you, Doug. Uh, next board member, Jim Crott. Uh, yes, I'll be very brief. Um, is that better? Yeah. 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 yeah, yeah, we hear you a little better, yep. I'll be very brief. Um, I, I don't think there's anything we can do um, except learn from this, and hopefully um, we can grapple with this subject as difficult and unwanted as it is and try to make a meaningful decision about what we're going to do in 2022 before we have a $310,000 penalty. I hope that we're successful in negotiating it now is better than later, but I don't think for the protection and 
safety of our members, we have any alternative but to go with the virtual convention in 2021. Thank you. Thank you, Jim. Uh, next, uh, board member Katie Frederick. Yes, good evening. I am on the convention steering committee as well. And um, I, you know, I was one of the ones who said, I just don't see it happening um, in July. And, you know, I want to acknowledge, I think my colleague Gray made some good points that I think we're all trying to find the balance. I know, you know, I've gotten out some and, and things and I wear my mask and all of that, but not everyone does. And we can only control what we do. We can't control what everyone else does. And, you know, I'm not afraid of this, but I, you know, again, I, I, I think the, the better part of valor here for us is to look at this, um, you know, it's better to be safe than sorry. Um, and that's, that's my motto. So, um, I would, um, like to see us, I think, go for the, the virtual option. Thank you, Kate. Uh, next, uh, board member Dan Dillon. Dan Dillon. <laughs> Nancy, is, is Dan muted or can you tell her? Can you hear me now? We there can hear you, you, buddy. Okay, there you are. I'm sorry. It takes me a while. Uh, I'm a little slow. But um, anyway, thank you, Dan, for the opportunity to speak. Um, I agree with most everything that, uh, every, every, you know, everything that's been said. Uh, so many times over the past several months, I thought they might be getting to the end of this mess. They haven't. Uh, we, you know, we continue to get... Uh, spikes in uh, Tennessee and Florida and so many other places, you know, so, and, and, and there's so much information that's up in the air regarding the, the vaccine. And so, um, I mean, I have no choice, but to, to, to say, let's go with the, the virtual convention. That is a, a safe way to, to, uh, to go with our, with our members and, um, I mean, I'm, I'm not sure what might happen in the next few months, but we don't have a lot of months to make these decisions. So thank you. Thank you, Dan. Uh, next board member, Sarah Conrad. All right. I like this whole reverse order thing. I get a little time to think, you know, this is good. That doesn't usually happen with a C last name. <laughs> uh, so, you know, I, I do um, want to recognize Ray's point and, and I do tend to agree with him. You know, I don't think that we should continue to live in fear. I also think it's dangerous for those of us here to sort of, you know, be scientists and um, try to figure out the likelihood of a vaccine um, because there are a lot of other, you know, scientific reports that actually think we'll reach herd immunity well before July. And so um, I, I think we also should consider the mental health of our members as an important consideration. Um, while virtual options are, are wonderful, um, there's still a great deal of isolation among our members. So I do think we need to continue to keep that in mind. That said, I do think the greater priority for our board, just because of who we are and, and what we do for this organization, is to think about the financial future of the organization. Because we, we can't provide as meaningful of services um, without 
money you know unfortunately that's just how things work and so you know i, I don't think we'll meet we'll, we'll reach our minimums i hate to play that what if game but we kind of have to now and i i definitely trust the research of janet and her team um but i i also would just ask that if we do have 2021 in a completely virtual setting i strongly urge us to uh make a commitment um, to our members that we will do everything in our power to have an in-person um, convention with virtual components, of course, in 2022, because I, I really think that people need that hope. You know, we can't, we can't know if there would be another, we hope, uh, no other pandemic or anything like that. But I, I do think that our members need to hear that um, and that we um, are, are, working hard to make that possible in the future. Thank you. Thank you, Sarah. And uh, the next uh, board member, Donna Brown. Okay. That's a bad thing about going backwards because now by the time it gets to me, everything's been said pretty much. I certainly don't want to repeat. <laughs> so, so now you know how Jeff Tom feels. <laughs> no, um, so I was sitting here thinking about several things and, and, as much as I, I really want to, to go to Phoenix and I mean, I just want to go somewhere, but anyway, um, I, I also don't really want to be sitting in a ballroom with like hardly anybody there. Um, that, 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 that's kind of envisioned in my head is, is just sitting there with like hardly anybody there. Um, but I, I do think, um, you know, I, I really ag agree with Sarah and, and somebody else may have said it, but, I think the membership really does need to hear that, you know, if we go virtual in 2021, and I really think that might be the safest thing to do, but I think there there needs to be a bright spot at the end of the tunnel and that we are really going to make every effort to be in, in Omaha in 2022 because, you know, in person is, is there's something to be said about that in-person thing. <laughs> So anyway, I, d I don't really have anything different to say than what most people have said. Uh, thank you, Donna. And next, uh, last board member, uh, Jeff Bishop. All right. Um, I have a few comments to make. Um, uh, I, I think we need to be careful about making, prom making promises of any kind. Um, I don't know, and I don't think any of us can guess what the world will be like in a year. Um, so I think we need to just be cognizant of that and really put focus on science and the CDC. And even Dr. Fauci said that, you know, people are ought to not be traveling or doing major things throughout the year of 2021. Most, most uh, fortune 500 companies are delaying going back to work. And even when that's going to happen, it's going to look completely different. Um, and that's a very, very controlled environment, unlike a convention where you know, we do have a lot of issues with social distancing and, and all of that and touching lots of surfaces. So I would just caution us that we shouldn't overpromise and then underdeliver because we don't know what the world situation is going to be a year from now. So um, I'm just, just cautioning people about that. Uh, I, for one, will be voting for a virtual convention. Thank you, Jeff. And uh, for the with the indulgence of the board, I'll make a few comments before I open it up for uh, debate and uh, and then a vote. And um, 
I want to thank everybody for their candid and honest uh, feedback. I've, I really appreciate the fact that this board can have this kind of a discussion uh, in a transparent way uh, with our our membership and friends uh, participating. So thank you all for for your comments. Um, I also, uh, Ray, you know, being a being an analytical guy, I was kind of going down kind of the same path you were. Well, when when you know, if I kind of step back from the convention, what I heard loud and clear from our uh, ACB radio team and our staff is we can't wait until March to make this decision again because it was too compressed and we we wore everybody basically out trying to get that done. So as Janet and I challenged the, the group, what I heard was, well, you know, perhaps if we make the decision after right after the new year, that would give us enough time. But then I had to look at the data that's sitting out there in front of us right now and say, well, what's going to change between now and January 1st? Uh, there's, um, you know, I, I see the next major milestone being the creation of an acceptable vaccine which from every report I hear will happen in the, you know, in the December, January timeframe, whether we'll know one will even be approved. And then we've got to go through months of trials and all that. So as I thought through it, I thought the reality is we're not going to have a whole lot more data to make this decision in January than we have right now in the middle of October. And the other comment that I continue to get from Janet and the convention committee is the fact that right now when we keep we keep kind of both options open, we put stress on the committee. Do we do we go to Phoenix? Do we book tours? When do we do that? Do we start putting deposits on buses? How do we how do we know if we're going to have enough people to um, you know to uh, to meet an in-person contract without suffering lots of uh, attrition damages. And then the third analytical area I came to is right now, folks, we have amazing momentum. People are excited to be members of ACB. Our community events are just off the charts. I, in my you know limited time of a decade or so, I have never seen this kind of enthusiasm in ACB. And what I don't want to do is make a decision that also all of a sudden disenfranchises a lot of people and causes us to lose a lot of that momentum. So if we can have a knock it out of the park continuation of a great virtual DC leadership conference and then a virtual convention, now, when we get to the end of the summer, I think we're going to have a lot more data points of how good the vaccines are working. As Sarah's saying, where is herd immunity kicking in here? And this time next year, we're going to have a, be in a lot better position to determine uh, where we go in 2022. But right now, we have to look at the health and safety and, and well-being of our membership. And it's not... Is it safe? Is it safe? And is everybody or a majority of our folks feeling comfortable enough to take that risk to get on a plane, 
uh, get on a train, get on a get in a car and and travel hundreds, if not thousands of miles to get to Phoenix. And also with our existing comorbidity situation and uh, the risk we have with social distancing. So with all that said, uh, that's where uh, kind of I supported the position from the convention steering committee that said, if we can make the decision now, we can really start focusing on having, as Rick said, meeting those expectations for a higher bar for 2021. Um, so that's my thoughts, but you know, uh, I now want to turn it over to our board. We're now at item D for uh, any debate and decision. So um, first, before we can have discussion, uh, we need a motion. So would uh, any of our board members like to make a motion? This David, I move that we go virtual in 2021. And I would like to add, though, to that, that we make every effort, even if it's smaller, to have a, have a combination convention in 2022. If I can get a second to that. Second. Who was that? I'm sorry. Patrick. Patrick. Pat Sheehan. Okay, thank you. So David has made a motion and Pat has seconded. Um, now ready for any discussion. Mr. President. Yes, Ray. Ray. That's right. Um, uh, uh, Ray, and who was after Ray? I'm sorry. David. David. Okay, thank first you. Ray, then David. Go ahead, Ray. So, so I have, having listened to my fellow and lady board members this evening um, and this, the recommendations of our steering committee, as much as I am sick and tired of living in fear, as much as we can never guarantee safety, the fact is that we've got to look at our membership. And there's a key piece that wasn't mentioned, but it's a very important one. And it was kind of mentioned in somebody's comment. I forget who. Um, a liability. What if somebody got sick and died? And you know, as I thought about this a little bit more through our discussions, I remember how Arizona was this past summer with the huge spikes and people indoors out there. Who says? Because, you know, you, as someone mentioned too, the polls say that a lot of people aren't going to take the vaccine. Heck, I'm not sure I'm going to take it if I feel it's rushed. With all that being said, having listened to my fellow board members as much as I hate to make this decision and contribute to further isolation of our members, I'm going to support this motion. And as long as, as long as, and we'll have time to figure this out, there is a way we can do the business of ACB. That is my absolute red line. We, I think we can do it based on things that, we've, uh, that I've seen. And um, as long as we can do our business, I'm going to support this motion and put the safety uh, of our members above all else. Thank you. Thank you, Ray. Uh, David? Yeah, I've got two points here. Uh, the first one, if we had gone, if we go to Phoenix, it would be extremely difficult to negotiate the rooms and food to renegotiate. So the cost could be uh, as much as we would lose if we lose anything. 
Secondly, as treasurer of this organization, I, I want the membership to be aware and just a brief reminder of the board, you'll, you'll know it shortly. Um, we have a little thing we do once a year called a budget. And how we do the convention is going to have an impact on that budget. So I ask you when you vote to, to look at those two things because uh, the money right now, you know, legally we can negotiate and get where we get. But we can't predict how many people will show up in rent rooms and buy food. And that's a good bit of the cost of the convention. <laughs> Thank Thanks, you, David. David. Hearing yeah. no. Oh, go ahead. Yeah. Mark. Okay. Was that Mark? Yeah. The only thing I want. Yes, sir. The only thing I, uh, I want to add to the comments I made before is that we, I, I spent <laughs> the time over the last few months reading a lot more than I ever thought I would ever have to read from convention and visitors bureaus and such. And it's been quite an education. I, I would say, even if tomorrow we all woke up and we were all immune from this virus or to this whatever, I think um, all of the, the, the experts, such as they are, are, are saying that our whole world has changed so significantly that none of us really have a clear sense of exactly how that has impacted the travel industry, etc. The idea that Anytime soon that people are going to want to sit, you know, and this is about sighted people, uh, people that we, there's just no clear analysis about what we and blind vision impaired folks want to do, of course. Um, but just generally speaking, I, uh, the idea that people are going to sit for five days or more in stuffy or far too cold hotel uh, <coughs> facilities and sit in rows and listen to speakers and it's very possible that those days are over, even even if even if there was no fear at all. That, and I remember, um, I think Dan or others on this, we we saw some comments that were made by one of our fellow members who said something about, "Let me tell you how wonderful this conference was. Uh, the food prices were just right. It was the best bed I ever slept in. I never didn't have to wait in line for food. I mean, all the things about, and and I think that expresses what a lot of people are thinking, blind or sighted, about." about travel and and lord knows uh maybe this isn't true for our people it's certainly true generally um a lot of folks have their costs for travel underwritten i think i think it's just so let's put the virus and fear about travel aside for the moment i think our world has changed so fundamentally that we don't really have a clear sense right now um about how all that stuff has changed and what behavior all of us are going to have going forward i think doing our convention virtually next summer uh, and deciding that now gives us the negotiating time, as Jim had said, and it gives us an opportunity to, um, as all of us are, sort of assessing how the world has changed. And as we move forward, we're going to get a, we're going to see um, as things evolve and how what what human nature, right, what the behavior of folks is going to be. So um, I think it's just prudent, and especially if the virus is still kicking around for sure. But even if it's not. Um, I, I think I think things have changed in a way that we just we need to study it, and I think by by deciding now to go virtual, it gives us that time. Thanks. Uh, thank you, Mark. If it's okay. I think I'm going to call the question. Is if Please. if I hear no other comments. All right. All in favor yes. of the motion to move the uh, to make the 2021 ACB convention virtual, with the recommendation to make take every effort to try to make the 2022 convention a hybrid convention that has both a 
uh, in-person and virtual component. I believe if I've restated that, hopefully, okay, David, and uh, uh, that, is that all right for the motion, guys? Yeah. Okay. Yeah, I think it's close. Okay, thank you. And and Denise will get it captured exactly right for us. So mm-hmm. I, if we're ready, I'll call the question. All those in favor, signify by saying aye. 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 Opposed? Thank you all very much, and thank you for taking the time to to listen and debate uh, this very important decision uh, for our organization. Thank you, Board. This is Janet. I just want to say thank you so much for letting us, giving us a clear direction, and now we can go forward, and I really appreciate this. Thank you. Yes, and now I'm going to go on to item 10. I'm going to hit a couple items in item 10, which may answer some of your all's questions, and then I'll open it up for for other open discussion. So in item 10, um, first thing I wanted to bring up uh, was uh, voting and doing the business of the American Council of Blind in a virtual 2021 convention. Uh, <clears throat> I don't know that any of us know the exact answer to this, but I believe all of us know that we want the answer to be we want to exercise our democratic process in any way possible, if possible, in 2021. So with that in mind, I have asked uh, Pat Sheehan to chair an ad hoc committee uh, for us to look at doing the business of ACB virtually in reference to the D.C. um code of incorporation and i probably didn't say that right uh, and the um and our acb uh constitution and bylaws so uh if any of you we can't have everybody but if some of you are interested in participating in that we will put together pat and i will work uh over the next month here to put together a um you know a, a ad hoc committee that will represent our membership uh, with uh, diversity and, and inclusion and uh, make sure that, that everybody kind of uh, is represented and has a voice. And I would like to announce that ad hoc committee at our November uh, fall board of directors meeting on November 13th and 14th with the idea that this ad hoc committee would come back with a recommended solution uh, at our February um, what we would call our DC Leadership Conference board meeting. And the focus is not to rewrite the voting rules of ACB for the future. It's just the focus is to figure out what we need to do to, in, you know, to have our democratic vote and process and do ACB business in 2021. Uh, so I think if we keep it focused on that, we can be successful. So Pat, uh, you want to say a few words? I thank you for, for willing, being willing to take on this assignment. Thank you, Dan, for having the confidence in me to chair this ad hoc committee. I think the work that we need to do is important. I also appreciate the scope uh, to get us through 2021 while we look to see how we need to change how we do business down the line. I think we've got enough time between now and February to get this done so that we can do our business, uh, have our elections, that sort of thing in 2021, 
and I will be looking for volunteers and uh, appreciate the opportunity. Dan, thanks. Thank you, Pat. Uh, second item of, under open, uh, uh, open discussion is I want to recognize David Trott, who uh, contacted me before the meeting with uh, an item he wanted to bring before the board. Okay, first of all, before, before I bring that up, I want to do one thing that I swore to God I'd never do. I'm going to imitate Dan Spoon here. Nancy and Eric and our staff have done a tremendous job of really managing the assets of ACB this year and keeping us above water during the pandemic. And what's that we usually do, Dan? That I don't like so much. We give a hip, big hip, what? hip, 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 hooray, hooray. hip, hip, hooray. hooray. I, I couldn't echo those thoughts uh, any stronger, uh, David. Everybody has just done an amazing job of pulling together. Yep. And you people on ACB Radio, if you edit this into a podcast, you can't edit that part out, <laughs> except that I do want everybody to know they have done a tremendous job. And the reason I'm here tonight is, uh, if you think back about, I think it was May or somewhere along in there, we had a board meeting, and I asked you to give Nancy permission to pull up to $325,000 from board reserves, uh, and this will give you an idea of how well she's managed that. At this point, she still has access to $35,000. But, you know, this is a time of year that ACB's money comes in slow. She's told me that other monies may be available toward the end of the year, but she'd rather not count on them. And so I'm asking you to approve tonight, if you will, and I will move that we give Nancy the uh, authority to pull up to an additional $225,000. I'll second that, Ray Campbell. All right. So additional how much, David? Uh, I'm sorry, I said two twenty-five. I meant two fifty. Is this an auction I, I or a motion? No. <laughs> 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 All right. So the the motion is uh, to authorize Nancy. This doesn't mean she has to take it, but authorizing Nancy to take two hundred and fifty thousand dollars from our board reserve yeah, if she needs it to meet our cash flow responsibilities. Okay, and. And Ray, are you okay with seconding that? Because you you had it, you were at two twenty five when you seconded it there. Do I hear two fifty? Yes, yes, I do. I'm good. <laughs> okay, so so yeah. Um, all right, thank you. Uh, and I will open it up for discussion. I did want Nancy, if you could kind of share. I know that our um, board reserve has rebounded. I think when we had our investment meeting a month ago. It was sitting at over one, what back up at over 1.6 million. Is that correct? Am I unmuted? Yes, I am. So, our not only our reserve, but all our investive ha investments have rebounded, and we are at a, our value has increased about a hundred thousand dollars from what it was at the beginning of the year. So, we are. Reserves is back up to where it was at the beginning of the year. Okay. Even though we had to take some out, we're still up up or above where we were at the beginning. Yes. Yeah. Okay. All right. Thank you for that for that information. All right. So uh, discussion for the uh, motion that's on the table. So this is an, an additional two hundred fifty thousand. Correct, Correct, Denise. 
All right. Thank you. Authorization for an additional yeah, two minutes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. All right. Any, any discussion from board members? I just assume this is Doug. I just assume that um, David and, and Nancy talked about this and this is the, the amount that uh, was comfortable for us to, um, you know, for us to cover our uh, liabilities. Yes. So when I, when we were talking about this and we came up with this number, it would be if no money came in or almost no money came in through the end of the year, this should pull us through our operating expenses. There, I know there is some potential money coming in, but I don't want to bank on that. Thank you. All right. Any other discussion? Hearing none. All those. No, this is Jeff. Oh, sorry, oh, I'm sorry, Jeff. Okay, go ahead, Jeff. Yes. Uh, just a quick question. Nancy, I'm assuming that um, one of the things you're not banking on is the payment protection or the loan, you know, program money coming through. So we have that cash already. I still need to do the application for um, the forgiveness or the forgiveness portion, but we have, we already have the cash portion. So if we get the forgiveness from the payment protection loans, it would change what our income would be for 2020, but it's not going to change our cash at all. Right. Okay. Thank you. All right. Hearing no other one, anybody else asking for the floor? We'll take the vote. All those in favor of the motion signify by saying aye. 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 Opposed? Aye. All right. Thank you all so much. All right. Uh, other board members that have items they would like to bring forward in open discussion. Um, yeah, Mr. President, um, do we need at, at this meeting, do we and um, kind of maybe throw in Nancy and David and Eric for their thoughts? Do we need to set the budget meetings for this board, uh, the uh, yeah, the two meetings that we have to go over the budget at this time, or are we going to do that in November? I think it wouldn't be. That's that's a really good idea, Ray, because we, um, you know, we we were we're not meeting till November thirteenth and fourteenth, so I think it would mm -hmm. be good for everybody to get it on their calendars. So I know. Um, uh, Nancy is pushing us forward. So Nancy, Eric, and I are meeting on the budget tomorrow morning at nine o'clock. Uh, and then I think she is, uh, after that meeting, she'll probably schedule the, the budget, uh, the budget committee reviews. So, um, with that said, I assume we have to wait, should wait till after the fall board meeting. So do we have any that's going to be Friday, November 13th, and Saturday, November 14th. Uh, so mm -hmm. the 16th would be a Monday. Do we want to go? We get very far there. We're going to get into Thanksgiving. Is there an idea to do one maybe at the, uh, maybe that, that, <laughs> and my wife says in the holiday auction. No, uh, <laughs> do, do one, the, uh, maybe the Monday or Tuesday there before Thanksgiving, the, the 23rd or 24th, and then maybe do the second one the first week in December. How does that feel uh, to folks? Uh, I'll move that we have the first meeting to go over the revenue side of the budget and the convention budget, which is what we usually do on Monday, November 23rd at 8 p.m. Eastern. Okay. Do you want to throw one in for the second one too? We can do them. Uh, yeah, I can. Let me think. Um, 
What about the 30th? 30th is fine with me. That, that, well, yeah. Falling. Um, uh, not the thirtieth probably wouldn't be good, guys. That's going to be the night after the auction. Yeah. Would you want to go to then the seventh? Uh, What's wrong with that? Mm. What's I'm, wrong with the night after the auction? It's, it, it's no okay with and working. Mm-hmm. Yeah, but 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 I don't know if the yeah I don't know how much that impacts Nancy. It it would some because she's got to yeah. do all the processing of the payments the next day and all that. Yeah. Oh, that would be is, that would be Erica. That would be <laughs> so, yeah. It's, it's just not going to affect yeah. me. It will be Erica. Or or if you want <laughs> so, to, is the pleasure the let's kind of talk real quick. The twenty third seems good. Does the majority want to go with the thirtieth or the seventh? The thirtieth. 30th. 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 I will be traveling on the 7th. I think think even the staff, if I heard from Nancy and Eric, please feel free to chime in. I I think they'd just soon get it done in November. Just get it done. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Okay. So, so Ray, are you comfortable then making your motion on the two dates? 23rd and 30th. Absolutely. Okay. Do I have a second on Ray's motion? This is Don. I'll second it. Okay, we're going to give Donna the second. (laughs) Sorry, Jeff. (laughs) (laughs) She's our newest board member. Way to go, Donna. Okay. All right. Okay. Uh, Any discussion? Yes. Go ahead, Doug. Is it Mark? Mark Okay. Mark. Okay. Just just recap for, obviously, my little brain was wandering. Tell me. (laughs) Okay. So, what what are you, buddy? Sure. So, this motion is to. uh, handle uh, for our our board meetings for the budget. So the idea is that on November 23rd we would do the revenue and the convention and ex- convention revenue and expense side of the budget because that kind of moves a little faster. So we combine those okay. together, okay. and then on the 30th we would do the expense side of the budget and then approve the revenue convention and expense side of the budgets in their entirety. So we, thank you for that recap. Mm -hmm. So uh, just uh, FYI. So on the 30th uh, and we are, we already announced these dates. uh, We're going to do a a gala thing for our, um, our awards uh, presentation. What Uh, time is the the gala mark? Cause I have a, I would be there for part of that too. Yeah, yeah, well. you would be because you 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 you're related to someone who's getting an award. I, I um, am. Um, so, but I, all I want to say is just FYI, <laughs> folks, the thirtieth means that some of us might have a commitment between seven and nine p.m. Eastern. But I don't want to, you know, we need to do what we need to do, and if it works for the majority of folks, let's do it. But uh, just FYI, and those dates have already been announced. Okay. okay, well, that's that's important information, and that that. Meeting is the expense section is usually a longer meeting yeah. than the revenue. Right. So maybe we. Yeah. And I don't know if we want to wait. Uh, yeah. So we've got two alternatives. We, we could we could is, wait till nine. Is the or only could, date we can do this on a Monday? No. Uh, no, we we well, could do it on. Doing? We could. Uh, what about no. Tuesday the first? That's the BOP. That's the BOP. I mean, that how about Wednesday? How about Wednesday the second? How about Wednesday the second? That works for me. Okay. So I will yeah. amend to tw- Monday the 23rd and Wednesday the 2nd. Thank okay. you. 
Thank you. Yes. Is everybody? Yes, I, w- I would. I would third and fourth that. Yes. Yeah. Okay. Everybody <laughs> seem good with that. Okay. All right. Yes. Not not hearing any any uh, folks with uh, objection. All right. All those in favor of the motion, signify by saying aye. 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 Opposed. Aye. All right. Thank you. Thank you, Ray, for bringing that up. Very Not good. a problem. Appreciate it. Mm. All right. And, Any um, other items to come before the board during open discussion? So Nancy will get to the budget committee and let us know when we will be. Available. Shortly. Correct. Yeah, you would. Yes. <laughs> Never fear, Patrick. Get, get ready, Patrick, Kim and David. Yes, that's right. So, Dan, I, this is a, a, a whatever point of personal privilege or something, and uh, it, it, it involves complimenting you. So, I hope I can be recognized for a quick sec. Sure, go ahead, Mark. <laughs> Not so, because of that, yeah. but go ahead. Yeah, I know. So, so this past week, um, I had the distinct honor to be participating in a panel, a so-called leadership panel, with um, you know, if you can think of the acronym in blindness, they were the, the CEOs and presidents <laughs> were there. Uh, our, our very own president was there, uh, because of the interim acting seat that I warm, I got to be part of it. Um, and it was a, a great panel. I just want to compliment Dan, you for, uh, not only your presentation generally, but also for the leadership that you showed by frankly, putting very squarely on the table in front of our colleagues, the notion that, um, uh, especially among the consumer organizations. And I'm proud to mention this while our colleagues and friends and such who are listening on ACB radio and around the world, and maybe even on Neptune, if they have access to the internet or whatever, um, <laughs> that uh, um, you put squarely on the table that a number of our groups come to DC and maybe next spring, even though we're doing it virtually, maybe there's an opportunity for the various uh, blindness and vision impairment groups to come together in some fashion, some virtually or otherwise to maybe communicate to policymakers and to, frankly, anybody who will listen, a, a joint message that, you know, we're here, we're blind, uh, get used to it. Um, and uh, maybe we have some some joint issues we want to talk about, or maybe if we don't have some issues that all of us, whoever we are, can agree on. Maybe there's some things that we can put on the table to say, look, policymakers, look, influencers, uh, we know vision loss is a big deal. We know that you probably, you, whoever you are, have people in your family, friends, whatever vision loss impacts you. And we're here, whoever we are. Uh, and, and, and there were, you know, there was, there was maybe one, uh, dissenting voice. I think we can all guess where that might come from. I hope that that doesn't dissuade us from the notion of pursuing that. I love the idea of our community coming together in some way that crosses you know, organizations of and for to to do something like that. So, uh, you know, I know you are asking for sort of uh, uh, stuff to put before this board. I'm not so sure I have a motion or anything other than just to say, number one, thanks for doing that. Number two, glad to see ACB waving the flag and showing that kind of leadership. And I was pleased to be part of it. And number three, I hope that as we move forward, we really actively um not let a good idea like that go to waste and that we think about, um, you know, how this board or how all of us in ACB can maybe try to pull that off. So thanks. 
Thank you, Mark. So and we, we presented this to the Advocacy Steering Committee uh, on Monday night, and I'd like maybe Jeff and Clark to provide some comments and feedback back from what we heard from that steering committee. Yeah, I'll be very quick because I'm mindful of Doug's uh, <laughs> comment at the beginning of this meeting. Um, but I'm glad you brought that up, Mark. Um, Dan did present that idea to us. I think that um, we're sort of in the process of coming up with some very innovative and unique ways of working through our virtual, you know, leadership uh, seminar. But I do think we want to integrate this in as part of it to the extent that we can, because I think it does give us a unique opportunity to have a far greater impact than we might otherwise have. So thank you, Dan, for bringing that to us. And, you know, stay tuned, Clark. Yeah, and this is Clark. And it, Dan, I would say much like the Tennessee Titans, um, your idea is a blowout, uh, which they did this evening against the Buffalo Bills. If oh, anyone missed that game, right. Ray Campbell, <laughs> there we go. That's what I'm here for. Um, that idea, among many others. I asked the, Alexa. The, <laughs> that the advocacy steering committee has ventured about uh, will provide a legislative seminar that has a nice mix of in-state and in-district opportunities for our members and affiliates um, to become better acquainted with their representatives and senators, as well as providing compelling content for uh, potentially Washington, D.C. staff and offices, as well as opportunities for us to showcase our partnerships with the blindness community, as well as uh, our corporate partners as well. Thank you, Jeff and Clark. And Mr. Mark, President, thank you for that. Yes, go ahead, Doug. And I uh, I didn't say anything in the steering committee, but I'm, I, we do have uh, a white paper of, of rehabilitation that I think would be a, a good talking point in approaching other organizations to uh, see, you know, see what we can agree on and, and develop in terms of, uh, you know, in terms of uh, position statements. Yeah, I think Vision Serve Alliance and NIB and others would be very supportive uh, of a discussion in that area. Thank you, Doug. Uh, Excuse me, Dan. Can I just interrupt for a second? This is sure. Penny. Please, Penny. Can, can you name the meeting? Um, who was it? Who was it of? And what was it for? Oh, it was at it was at the um, uh, American Printing House for the Blind uh, uh, Conference and Convention. Yeah, annual conference last week. Yeah, and as part of that, they had a, a leadership uh, a panel, which kind of had the you know most all of the CEOs and presidents from the different uh, uh, blindness organizations, both great. of Thank the blind so and providing services to the blind. Yeah. Yeah, I'm familiar with that. Thank you so much. Sure. All right. Anything else to come before the board in open discussion? Let me just give Dan, if I might, just a quick update on the resolutions ad hoc task force and okay. the work that we're doing. Um, you'll hear more about our work next month. But I just want to say that um, thanks to um, Dan and everybody you know, putting a great group together, um, we have had two really good meetings um, of the uh, ad hoc task force. I think we've got some really good ideas about how to make the resolutions process a little better for everyone and that you'll be hearing next month. Um, uh, one thing I will mention, um, I believe we're going to be, you know, we're going to try to we're gonna finalize this at our meeting tomorrow night, 
but um, we're going to be having a uh, community event on the 29th of uh, October to um, go over what we're kind of what our thinking is and get input from anybody interested. And um, we'll be sharing uh, kind of our final uh, ideas with the board at the fall board meeting. But just wanted to say that the, the group's going along great and uh, I got great people to work with and it's, it's a lot of fun. So that's all I have. Thank you. Thank you. And I really like the community event. That's really great to reach out to our broader membership and friends. Thank you. All right. Any other open discussion before the board? All right. Hearing none, it's time for us now to move into executive session. I think for this particular executive session, uh, the staff, right, Eric, that we will need to participate will be Eric, Nancy, and Cindy Hollis. Um for the rest of the staff, I think, thank you so much for participating and we'll wait Nancy until, uh, and, and uh, Debbie until you, uh, uh, I again, want to thank everybody for their participation and, and in the board of directors meeting and for all of those on ACB radio, thank you so much for listening. And I think we're going to have to sign off for the executive session. So disconnect. Debbie, let let me know when we're disconnected and uh, we'll continue on with the executive session.